what I sense that the Lord wants you to hear more than anything else, more than anything else, is how much he loves you. I mean, I mean he wants you to know how much he loves you. He, he flat out just loves you. And, and some of you can't even receive that. And you claim to be a follower of Christ. If you follow Christ, you follow what he says. That's what, when it talks about a yoke, have you ever heard that, don't be unequally yoked? Or, you know, they talk about an oxen's yoke is the harness that they put on this ox. Uh, rabbis had a yoke. A yoke of the rabbi meant that whatever rabbi you went under, you learned from that rabbi. And you lived and moved and breathed in how that rabbi taught you. And early on, when Jesus started his ministry, they called him rabbi or teacher, and that they were to come under his yoke. And he called these misfits who always wanted to be something but never thought that they would. And here they have a rabbi that comes and picks them to be under his yoke. Isn't that cool? And he just picked them, you know, tax collectors and fishermen and not the ones that had been studying their whole lives to do this, right? Not the ones that had been like born up into it, but just the misfits. Would you come under my yoke? I'll, I'll show you how to be fishers of men, amen? So, so his yoke is really easy and he wants you to understand his teaching about who he is so you can become more like him. And he says first and foremost that he is love. Like he is the personification and person of love. So when he says that he takes up residence within you, all of a sudden you come from that place of your relationship and identity in him. So first and foremost, he is love and he wants you to know in the very center of your being that you are loved by him. And what you do doesn't matter to him about his love for you because it would have to change who he is to not love you. Does that make sense? So love is in you. So from that place, I'm going to read a little scripture. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 16. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Grasping that? Like, it comes from here. Not from out here, but from here. The inner strength. He's praying that you would have unlimited resources and that you would be empowered through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So it's like the spirit is within you He's wanting to show you more about who he is and who you are as you walk and put your trust in him. Not on the things out here. Not in the things surrounding you, but literally what's going on in here. How he, his yoke, not the yoke of the world or not the yoke of your neighbor or your mom or your dad or somebody else. The yoke of the father is that he would want you to understand how much he loves you. He says that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Wow. Identity. Identity. We talked about it last week. We're in an identity crisis. 
So many people just don't know who they are. Just don't have the foggiest idea, who am I? And Christ, from the very center of his glorious strength and his power, wants you to understand and teach you who he says that you are. Because there's this thing called love that we have been trying to get from other people surrounding us to help us to be able to be fulfilled in who we want to be. Am I making sense? So I get love from this person, I get love from this person, but this one rejected me. Okay? This one rejected me. Have you ever felt rejected? Maybe this morning. Have you ever felt rejected by somebody you didn't even know? How is that possible? Why would you ever take offense to somebody that you don't even know if they're worth living up to? How how do you even know that their opinion even matters? I mean, does it matter? How often do we take other people's thoughts about us and wear it on ourselves and that's where we get our identity. It helps. When you see, when you see, when you're next, anybody, anybody here right now offended by anyone? Yeah. Do you know that being offended is a choice? Being offended is a choice. It comes from identity, doesn't it? See, when Christ adopted you and made his residence up in you, <laughs> and, and from there is where your new birth came and your new identity came, you were transferred out of a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light, into his son, amen? And then from that place, he wants to keep you there. And he wants you to know in that place, you're loved and everything's going to be okay. And I will lead you, protect you, guide you, give you your identity, your mind. I own you. I possessed you. I bought you. Uh, No weapon for you. You're safe here. I'll provide for you here. And then we leave from that place, wherever that place, the kingdom is. And then all of a sudden, somebody says something to us. Or this doesn't go the way we wanted it to. And all of a sudden, oh, if, let's start out in the morning when you're doing your devotions. If you're not doing your devotions, you're really starting off the morning believing a lie. You're starting the morning off by believing a lie. Because you're likely saying, man, I hope my boss doesn't do this today. You know, if he does that again to me today, I'm going to lose it. And if that person doesn't change Man, they're going to get a piece of me. Or I don't even know that I want to go there today because I'm going to run into so-and-so. I'm not going to go into that place because of what they did to me last time. Are you with me? And, And every one of those situations, what you've done is you've allowed someone else to dictate who you are. And when I sit and I sit in the kingdom and in the presence of the Lord and he says who I, he says I am, If I'm praying that my boss would change or if I'm praying that my spouse would change, I'm praying from a place of a victim. I am. Because I want them to change for me. I want them to be different so I can be better. And and so the world, treat me right so I can be okay. And anything that's offensive is anyone that's not treating you that makes you feel okay. 
here I am in the presence of the Lord, safe, protected, provided for. He calls me the apple of his eye. He calls me his own possession. He adopted me. He loves me. He, like, he, he says that he has a destiny for my life. He will keep me safe. He will never leave me. He says that no weapon formed against me will prosper. He says in this world, you're going to have all kinds of problems. You're going to have all kinds of trials and tribulations, but you can take heart. I've overcome the world. So you just stay with me, son, and we are going to win this thing because I've already won it. I just need you to hang out of the hem of my garment, and we're going to win this thing if you can follow love. This isn't about you. It's about him. If, if you're not secure in that, everything that you're only going to be as good as your next circumstance. We got a chance to rejoice a little bit with Tom and Christy this week. Tom had his final visit at the Mayo. He needed one more zero on his PSA accounts, and we got a zero. Some people have said Tom is a zero, but now he really is. (laughs) But if circumstances wouldn't have been, he called right after the appointment, we rejoiced, we praised God. But if he would have said, Jay, it was a three, we would have praised God and we would have rejoiced because God was still going to win that thing. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in that world trying to attack or bring things up against us. It's whether or not we're willing to stand. Whoa, what a chaotic life it is if we're only going to be as good as how other people are treating us. That's schizophrenia. Because you're going to be trying at every turn to make people like you. If you care about their opinion of you, everything you're going to do is try to get them to like what you're doing or like what you're saying so you feel like you belong there. Doesn't that get tiring? Especially when they they aren't going to like you anyway. (laughs) Do you realize, I heard this statistic, I think it's probably true, there's just 10% of the people that are just not going to like you no matter what happens. There's just some that just aren't going to like you. Get over it. It doesn't matter what you do, what you say, how you act. Man, you might even think, I think they like me now. (laughs) Until you do that one thing, right? (laughs) And may you have the power to understand all God, or as all God's people should, okay, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Now, now, the only reason, that's, that what, that's what we should know. The only reason why we don't know is we're relying on some other source to tell us what that love is. If we're getting it right from the king himself, right from our loving father, right from the love that's within us, we will recognize how wide and tall and deep and long and high and full and to overflowing and to all of those things. And then, and then my prayer in the morning, dear God, thank you that you have decided to take up residence in me. 
that you have seen me, even while I was a mess, you found me like you loved me just the way I was. And you took up residence in me, and you think I'm pretty something special. I like hanging around with people that think I'm pretty something special, especially if he actually created me. He knows better than you do about me. I'm sorry. So I'm going to listen to him before I listen to you. Sorry. But now, he says, okay, Jay, from that place, from that place that you're at, now we can start doing some stuff. You're not waiting for things to happen to you because you're not a victim. You get to go in and do things. You get to mess up everybody else's world. You get to mess up everybody else's world with the love of Christ. That boss, oh, that boss, if only he would stop doing this and stop doing that and would he quit doing this and quit doing that. Lord says, Jay, I want you to go into work today and I want you to hear from me about what I see that's lacking, what that person is lacking. See, because anybody that's offending or hurting others is coming from a place of hurt and woundedness. If there's a difference in a relationship, there's something wrong here. Or there isn't something here. That's why it says don't be unequally yoked in a marriage because you could never have this together. And if there's a relationship between here going on here this way, if there's a problem here, there's something here. Every time. Because if you're full here, if you're full here, there, you can't be offended. But if you can see, if I can see, Lord, what that boss is lacking... If, Lord, would you give me wisdom and discernment on how to love on that guy? Or how to, how to love on my spouse? Help me, Lord, to help her to see, see how I can help her in whatever she's lacking. Because she's lacking love. She's lacking protection. She's lacking identity. She's lacking something. It's not about my actions. My actions just trigger things. They trigger things. I know, I know her hot buttons. And why are they her hot buttons? Because they're hurts. And if I care enough about her in love, I want to know what those things are so I can anoint them with oil and love on her and the Lord will give that to me. He will show me those things. If I point her then to those things, not in my actions and say, oh, look what I did. I made you breakfast this morning. This is acts of service. You know, I've, I've shared this with you. I've done this for you. I've done all that so, so she'll love me. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not doing this for self-seeking. I'm doing this for the Lord asking me to help her in the area in which she's lacking so she can be full to overflowing from him, not from me. This is good stuff. It's really quiet in here. Everybody's like spinning. It's like, man, what do I do about this one? And Isn't this good? But here's the, here's the real principle behind this. And it's in Philippians 3, verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this I count, or for the, his sake I discard everything else, counting it all as garbage so I could gain Christ and become one with him. Man, that's a place, isn't it? That's a place. If you've ever been down the Mississippi and you get to the St. Croix, have you ever seen that where the waters come together? There's a distinct line. Like you can see where the waters hit 
because they're from a different source. And that different source has different flow. You can see it. It's a line right in the middle of the water. You can stand, you can be right on both sides. One is the kingdom of darkness, and one is the kingdom of his dear son. Amen? And here we are. We want to flow from that place in the kingdom of God. And when I flow from that place, I know when I'm over here. Because being offended by someone or something is my choice. I can tap into this and saying, oh, you better not do that again. That happens again. You know what you're going to get. Or I stand in this place and say, Lord, help me to understand what it is that's causing that person to respond in the way that they're responding, that I would be able to have wisdom in knowing how to love them. It flips the script. It's where the power is. It's where the power is. That's where the victory is. Because no weapon formed against you can prosper. The world is going to want to try to give you your identity, but it's lying to you. It's not only lying to you, it's killing you. It's taking you down. It's trying to take and put death in your life. Let's keep going on. It says like this. It says, uh, I, uh, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become right, righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of, wait, wait, of making us right is with himself. It depends on faith. I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. The suffering that you have to go through by not falling into the temptation of what the world is doing is suffering. You want to be right. I want to fix you. Right? Anybody hear something? You see somebody doing something? Oh, fix that. Huh? I'll fix that one. I'll I'll fix that one. Sacrificing that and saying, you know what? I died to having to fix that. I died to having to be right. I died to my right to be right. This is hard, isn't it? Because just think of any conflict you got going on right now. You, the thing is, is you're right, man. You're right. You know, you know why you know you're right? It's because the other person is wrong. Amen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And do you know that your opinion is the only one that matters? Your opinion is the only one. And you know what weird is? Anybody who thinks anything different than you. So you've got the corner on it all. And you put everybody else through that filter and you figure out how you're going to be God in the situation. It's a sacrifice to say, I give up my rights to all that stuff. And I ask you, Lord, to help me to be what I need to be in the relationship or in the circumstances. So my identity comes from who I am in you, not what I'm getting or not getting from the people around me. Everything comes from a perspective. Everything comes from a perspective. And do you think that oftentimes your perspective might be different than God's? I think m- not many times, especially if we're in conflict. But we just want to be right. Uh, one thing, too, Kasia, she's here somewhere. She, oh, okay. Kasia had a revelation. Remember, sometimes we just get all these aha moments. All of a sudden, you've heard something a hundred times, but all of a sudden, it's just like, boop. 
she called and left a message to Rochelle and I saying, you know, I just figured out what death is. <laughs> wow, <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's not dying. It's not like a physical death. It's literally being separated from God. Anything that you're doing that's separating from God is either bringing death and everything that you're doing that's connected to God is bringing you life all the time. So either you're dying or you're living all of the time, depending upon what it is you got going on. So if you're doing things that are being offended by the things around you, I can guarantee you that things are dying in your life. First of all, your joy. Where's your peace? Who, who has control of your peace? Is it your circumstances or is it God? Well, right now in church on Sunday morning, that's easy. That's the perfect answer. But I'm talking about Friday night when things aren't going your way, when you didn't get the phone call you were looking for, when that person responded to you a different way than you wanted to, or they failed you, or they did the same thing again, and it came up and it opened the same wound that was there before, and you've, been, you've told that person a thousand times, and they still did that same thing again. It's like, when is enough enough? And you're standing before God, and you say, God, would you just take them out? Huh? I've been there. But if we can take our thought captive in that place, just to take our thought captive in that place and knowing that no weapon formed against you, you see what the weapon is designed to do? Do you see it coming against you? What is it designed to do? Kill you. Kill you. And we're feeding right into it because we think somehow that those things create who we are or elevate us to who we should be or give us what we think we need. No, you have everything you need in the spirit of God who resides within you. And you have so much of it that you actually have enough for others. That's pretty crazy. Not only do you have enough for you, you have enough for others when you see it. See, I love, one of the reasons why I love looking around on Sunday morning is because you guys fill me in ways. It's like the overflow of what's in the Lord is overflowing. It's overflowing. If you're, in a, if you're in an ugly place or the world, you're in a victim place, I can see there's a dam stopping up that flow. You can see it on people, man. You can see it on people. I can go up to you and say, how are you doing? You're going to say, fine, and I'm like, you're lying to me. <laughs> sometimes I say it. Sometimes I say, are you really being real with me? Huh? Come on, I'm getting in your business now. It's because something is offending you, so something's wrong here. Somebody has messed with your identity. Somebody has messed with your purpose. Somebody's messed with your destiny. And all of a sudden, they've got more power than the Lord has in your life. Ooh. No weapon formed against us can prosper, family. Amen. Romans 8.1. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So how can you be rejected? How can you, be, how can you possibly be rejected? Because that's really what rejection is, is you feel like you've been condemned. But if you're in Christ, you can't, even, you can't, you can't there isn't any. Because I'm sealed in that place. Nothing can hurt me there. I'm safe there. I get to be just who I am there. 
And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, capital S, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So it doesn't have any power over me. It's a choice. The law of Moses has freed you from the power of sin that leads, or the law of Moses that was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be satisfied who no long, uh, for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Does it sound like it's a choice? Okay? So those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. It's a choice. I used to think this was a constant wrestling match, and Rochelle and I were doing a devotion a, couple of week, or a week or so ago, and she just brought this out, and I thought it was so eloquent how she shared. Jay, I remember when this was a wrestling match for us as a couple where it was like the flesh and spirit were always like at odds. Like I would do one good thing, and then it would be just something else. It was always like right there. It was like this constant battle. But I want to encourage you, it's not like that anymore. It's not like that anymore. I don't have that constant battle with sin. I, don't, I just don't have all the temptation. I just don't have all of the constant, oh, my mind, oh, oh, I got to hang on to that thought and hang on to that thought. I live in Christ, and I recognize that that's where my home place is. That's my home. That's where I'm safe. That's where I move and live and breathe from. And sure, I make mistakes. Sure, my mind goes to places, but it's not this constant wrestling match that, oh, who can save a wretched man like me? I've been saved. Amen? So I want, and then it says, it says in his word, it says, and if you sin, you have an advocate in Christ that will be there pleading for you. So guess what? If he says, if you sin, it means that maybe you don't have to all the time. And to have that sin consciousness. Let's get rid of that. Amen. I want to hear more about, hey, good job today, Jay. That's what my father's telling me, but the world's telling me something different. The world's telling me, good try, Jay. And the father in heaven's saying, way to go, Jay. The world's saying, oh, you better do it better next time. Remember, you didn't say this. You should have said that. The father's saying, man, thanks so much for just doing that thing. Yeah. Just say, thanks for doing that one thing and thanks for doing that. Man, you're doing so awesome over here. <sighs> That's him. So if you're, if you're needing encouragement, if you need an acceptance, you're accepted in the beloved, accepted in him. He accepts you just the way you are, and he loves you just the way you are, and he's going to shape and mold your thinking. It's not like, oh, man, I have that thought all the time, all the time. You might for a week until the devil gets sick and tired of you not responding to it, and then he'll just try something else. And he's kind of stupid, but he might try for a couple of weeks later, slide one in there again, just to see, are you still on that same kick about God in that area? Amen? He's freed us from the power of that. It's not even a fair fight because it's already been won. Amen. Anybody wrestling with some of this? Yeah. I'm standing. I'm just going to stand in that victory, putting on that full armor. Amen? Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to jump a little bit over to verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. 
For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But, it, but through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will leave, live. Making sense? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And you've not made you a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we also must share his sufferings. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. You already know where your weaknesses are. You already know. Man, when that person says that one thing, or whenever I'm around that guy, or whenever I'm around that, whenever I go over to that place, whenever I do that one thing, I always do this. Christ says, you don't have to walk. You're not a slave to that. He's given you the power over all of that. Now he's going to say, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Because it's not going to be what you want to do. Remember, it's not about you. But he says, if you, if you follow me, you're going to be safe. You're going to know you're loved. And you're going to live. If you decide you want to do what you're thinking, have a nice afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> that afternoon might t- turn into a week and then a month and then three months and then a year. And all of a sudden, how did I get here? I've watched it so many times. It's so sad. But we, haven't, we don't have to be slave to any of that. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I have a prayer language that I speak in a lot of the time because I just don't know how to fix stuff. I don't know how to fix stuff, but I believe the Holy Spirit sure does. And I don't put a lot of wacky thoughts into thinking what am I saying or what I'm not saying. I'm just trusting in faith that the Lord is using his spirit to communicate to his spirit that everything would be in his will. And I'm grateful for my prayer language. Some have it, some don't. If you don't have it and you want it, just ask. He says he'll give good gifts to his kids. If you want that, ask. He'll say, how do you do it? It's not a how do you do it. He'll show you just what, what that is and what it means to you. But it comes from a desire in your heart for it. Does that mean if you don't have a prayer language that the Lord won't help you in your prayers or in your weaknesses? Absolutely not. But sometimes it gets pretty deep and heavy for you to be able to articulate what it is that you really need because you've got so much woundedness going on there. And filtering through all that, sometimes I really can't get how angry I am with my boss off my mind to be able to pray what I need to pray for him. Right? Because I'm going to twist that prayer based on feeling. Get him, God, but I love him. Amen? But if I'm praying in the Spirit and I have that person on my mind, I want the mind of Christ to be praying for me for that person so I know that my life lines up with that will. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. He pleads in harmony with his will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. 
So regardless of the circumstances, when I listen to his voice and hear him and follow him, everything, even the circumstances that are waging war against us, the Lord flips the script on him and turns him into something that will be giving him glory. So I don't care how ugly the circumstances are that you're in right now, in relationship or in offense, if you find your identity in Christ and begin to operate from that place and have him lead you in the next steps, not your opinion, not your feeling, just his direction, he will work it out for the good. How do you, sometimes you don't even know what good looks like right now. Or how his good is going to come out of it. Your pardon is only is to stay in that place. And to be led and protected and belong in the place of the beloved. Matthew 5. This is hard stuff, but this is part of the suffering. God blesses you when people mock you. And persecute you. And lie about you. And say all sorts of evil things about you. Because you're my followers. Are people persecuting you because you're a follower? Or are people persecuting you because you're a follower, claim to be a follower, but you're not? Huh? Now that's a rhetorical question we all need to sit on a little bit. Because if people are persecuting you, and making claims about you that are true as a follower, that's conviction, not condemnation. And to not take conviction is to make a practice of sinning. And if you make a practice of sinning, you become callous to the act to the point where you don't even hear anymore the Spirit when the Spirit is leading you. Because you've got a wall there that won't allow truth to penetrate there. You've made it all about you in that area. Man, I know know I'm touching some hearts right here. And you don't need to know what they are. The Lord is showing them to you right now. The Lord is revealing those things to you right now. And I don't, we all have them. We all have these little pockets that we want to hold on to. That I don't care what they say about me. Who, who are you to judge me? 1 Corinthians 5 says that we're to judge the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. If not us, then who? Right. Hold each other accountable, right? Hold each other accountable. In the same token, oh, man, who are you to judge me? Uh, I've, I've settled with God that this is okay. You know how you've settled with God that it's okay? You've decided you're not going to listen to him. You've decided you're not going to listen to him on something that you want to do even though he's told you not to. This is uncomfortable, isn't it? Do you know how much I love you? You have any idea how much I love you? That's Christ in you. He loves you that much that he just wants the best for you. (laughs) When you're mocked and persecuted by doing things of the Lord, be happy about it. (laughs) Be very glad. 
for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You've heard it said in the law, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say, this is Jesus speaking, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as, a tr- as true children of your Father in heaven. <laughs> Chip off the old block. Regardless of the circumstances, man. man. You don't have enough in you to ruin my day. Because my dad's bigger than whatever you got. And who my dad says I am, I believe. And he's never failed me. And whatever you do or say about me today isn't going to have any effect on who I am or who I be. But if you're in Christ and you're walking in Christ, I want you around me. Because I want to live with people that live like this. Because I love my life and I want you to love your life. And if there's things in your life that are bringing death, when you're around somebody that's life, it smells bad. It feels like I can't be around them because it makes me feel bad. Well, that's the liar telling you that you are that, which you're not. So I want to tell you that who you say you are, you are. Right? I'm nothing but, or I just can't, or I'm not going to, how am I going to handle, and man, every time I do. You're right. But if I say what God says and I stay there, man. Pray for those. I'm going to jump to 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's his person. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So I think about, as we're going to kind of get into communion here, but I just want to make this reflection. Everything about your identity that the world has put upon you as far as the lies is what Christ took off you on the cross. All of the things that have happened to you to try to get you to think of this is who I am, he took off of you on the cross so that he could renew your mind as to the truth about who he says you are. That's what the reconciliation is. He brought you back to your original value. He sees you as really valuable. And it's like, oh, not me. Yeah, the world told you that. He's screaming in your ear right now. I just love well, how can you love me on this? I loved you when you were a mess. I created you. I saw you in me from the get-go. So when he went to the cross and he says, I took this off of you, he sacrificed everything so you wouldn't have to go through any more of this pain and suffering. So when you go back and, and that person, when you leave here today and that next person says something to you that hurts you, game on. Right? It's game on. What am I going to believe? Am I going to believe what that person, am I going to allow that person to have an influence on my identity? Or am I going to be the man of God that God created me to be and help me, God, to know how to respond to this person in love because overcome evil with good? Help me to know how to respond to that, God. And no weapon formed against me can prosper. People get sick and tired of people that love on them, especially if they're angry. Because they want to fight with somebody. I win every time. I don't have to throw any punches. 
Yeah, praise God. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Amen. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, people see God. Hear me? You've never seen God, but if you're loving on people in God, in Christ, people are seeing them. God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Do you realize you're carrying the full expression of the love of God in you? That full expression is in you to show to others what love looks like. Doesn't that sound like pretty good combat? Man, like we get to attack the world like this. Overcome, it's already overcome, right? Yeah, I mean, we're fierce When we walk into a room, this entourage of angels, and light is in us, we are in the kingdom of light, and we walk into a room that's dark, where does the darkness go? It can't even even stay with you. It's got no place there. When you walk in it, it can't. It will run. It will hide. You can't. Even light has no shadow. You see that little thing on Facebook? Somebody took a match and lit it and took a picture of it and you saw the shadow of the match stick but you couldn't see the shadow of the flame? Just a little something, something. There is no darkness in him at all. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and him in us. We love each other because he first loved us. Absolutely. As long as I didn't do it. I only do this when I know that the Lord is asking me to. So I am being obedient right now. Um, Rejection. So for those of you who don't know my life, I was an addict from 15 until I was 35 years old. My whole life was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I was rejected at a very young age from my fathers, I have two of them, and uh, was taught not very good things about how to use my body to get what I want in life. And so I used drugs and alcohol to mask the pain so that I could continue to live. So my whole existence until I was 35 years old was all about getting your approval, having you like me, figuring out how I could fit into allowing you to accept me because that's all I knew. Nobody told me that who I was was enough, but what I had was what I should use to get what I need to survive in life. Does that make sense? So my whole existence till I was 35 was all about approval and, and, and trying to keep harmony. So I did not like con- confrontation. I didn't like conflict. So if you maybe had... Uh, something that uh, I could tell I was irritating you or I was doing something that was making you angry. I was going to bring harmony to that situation. I was going to do whatever I needed to do to get you okay so that I could feel good. But then that pain would just sit inside of me and it was there for a, a long time. So then I come to know the Christ. So I come to know Christ when I'm 35 and I, I knew Christ loved me because he died for me. You know, I hear the story. I say the scriptures. I went into my word. I studied everything I could, but I didn't know religion. I wasn't in churches. I didn't know. So when I came into my understanding, I was on fire. So I thought everybody who knew Jesus was on fire, and that also was a lie. 
um, because Christians even don't understand Jesus and the cross like they should. And that's why we do what we do here, because we really want you to know your identity. Because when you know your identity, let me tell you, freedom comes. So for th- I'm going on 14 years so- sober now. Never touched another drop or anything. And... Um, and so in that, though, let me just tell you, I'm on fire, and I'm searching and seeking. Well, I was brought into some ministries that were teaching me about inner healing, that there's layers to me. There's layers like the onion that you just need to peel those layers off, and you'll get better, and you'll get more freedom. And so you just keep, you just keep working on that. Go back into your past and, and relive that situation. And, and, and mind you, my dad is still alive, and so I'm still getting rejected. Now, he doesn't know this. He's a great man. I love my dad. He's great and everything, but he's in the world. And so he just doesn't understand love. He doesn't even know he's rejected me the way he has. And, but he has another family, and so it's just a mess. And so the world has just done some things. And so in that, I'm still feeling the rejection from him. He just doesn't know how to love me the way Jesus does. And so by me not understanding the cross, I would still feel the rejection every time it happens. So here I am 13 years into my walk thinking, you're not who you say you are because I'm still feeling this and you're telling me that I shouldn't because, because um, I'm accepted in you, but I'm still feeling rejected every time I am. So I'm starting to not really know if you're even true or I believe you, God. And I was there and I was getting angry at him and I was getting discouraged and I was getting defeated and I was getting just conversation after conversation of why he gets it but I didn't why because I wasn't listening why because I was believing all of the lies of the inner healing that I needed to do and it wasn't working why because it was taken on the cross when he died so when I received Jesus rejection died I keep bringing it up I keep bringing it in I'm the one that's being reminded of it and then I'm believing it and so then I'm like oh here I am again God help me he's like why do you keep bringing it up it's dead quit know that you're accepted in me I've adopted you you're in my family I love you I've chosen you walk this out read the word and live it don't be don't memorize it and say it and then just walk away from it and forget who you are become what the word says and believe what he says about you because what he did there is more powerful than anything in this world and I'll tell you I am free today like nobody can reject me no one Woo. amen